All right, so we're going to get into it. We have, we are on week five of the nine personality types. You guys have been really sticking with it, and I absolutely love that. We went through our first one, which was the reformer. This is the rational, idealistic type. This is the one that they see things as they can be, and so they tend to also see a lot of the faults, so they know what we need to fix, right? And there's a blessing that comes with that because they won't let us stay in the status quo and the mediocre. They're going to push us to, to go beyond because of what they can see. But the challenge for them can be that uh, they need to be able to learn how to be patient and not get too fixated on the flaws, right? And then we have the second one, which is the helper. And that's for those of us that we're very um, nurturing, we're caring, interpersonal types. Uh, the challenge for us as twos is that we can get uh, trapped in this way of thinking of, I need to be needed. You know, and we can overextend ourselves. But the blessing that comes with the two is that they will be there to help you. They're going to walk with you, and they're going to connect with you in those areas of need. And they often pick up on things that are going on with people or in situations that other people may not be so quick to pick up on. And then we did the third one, which is the achiever. And they are success-oriented. And the challenge for them is that they, they feel their identity is wrapped up in their achievements. But the blessing that comes with the achiever is that they are also very self-motivated and self-driven. And just seeing their drive can be a motivator to the rest of us to keep moving forward. And then we had last week, number four, the individualist. This is the sensitive, can be withdrawn type. There's a lot of emotion. They tend to feel like something's missing that's there, and so they try to compensate for that. But the blessing that comes with the four is the fact that they have those emotions, and they're so unique, and they don't even have to try, but they are so unique, and they are very, very creative. They usually find some sort of outlet where this creativity comes out to be able to express the things that God is putting on their heart. So tonight, we're going to talk about the fifth one, which is the investigator or the thinker, or we're going to refer to them tonight as the observer. And so this is number five. Now, they tend to be the ones that they really love gathering information. They love to investigate. They love to do the research. And uh, I have my oldest son here with me today. His name is Brenson. And he... He volunteered. He wanted to be here. He actually tied as a five and a six. And so he's here. And he, has my, he, he gave me permission to share some things with them. I always try to ask my kids permission as much as possible before I say anything. But he gave permission for that. And so I can tell you, it's been unique in us navigating relationships because I'm a two. Most everyone else are nines. And then he's a five. But it's been a blessing. Because when I need some research done on something, I go and knock on his door. I need to purchase this electric item, this electronic item, and here I am staying up to 2 in the morning going crazy on Amazon trying to figure out what does this even mean, and he can just whip out a whole sheet for me with all the pros and cons and what stores you can go to and what prices you're going to get, and it's perfect, perfect. And so we're going to talk about the fives. But we're going to talk about it first through the biblical story context, and I'm going to start with that tonight. This is the story of Nicodemus, and we can find it in John chapter 3, verse 1 to 21. Let me give you a little background on Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader. He was brilliant. He was an intellectual. He was known 
for how brilliant he was. He was a Pharisee, but he was also in the Sanhedrin. And to have a place in both of those offices said a lot about just where you were as far as your status and your brilliance. And they didn't always get along, but yet he had a place in both of those realms. He was highly intelligent. So he comes to Jesus, and this is in uh, John chapter 3, verse 2. And it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs you, that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus was being a five. He, was, he made an observation. He observed Jesus. He'd been watching Jesus. He knew what it meant to be called a rabbi, a teacher. And he knew that Jesus fulfilled those qualifications. And so he gave him that honor by calling him a rabbi. And he's talked about all of the works that Jesus had done. He had been observing, and he gathered all of his facts. He made the assessment. He came to a conclusion, his observation, and he presented that to Jesus. That is very often how a five will think and what they will do. What is Jesus' response? Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, honestly, when I'm reading that, it sounds like two completely different conversations that are going on. Right? Nicodemus went and brought his, his, his observation. And now Jesus is talking about you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born, born again. But what's going on here? Two different conversations, right? Sometimes that's what it feels like when you're talking to a five. They're bringing all of their facts and their analysis, and you're talking about this thing, but from a totally different standpoint, and it can feel like something's lost in translation. There's a disconnect that's happening there. And so what's happening is that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he already sees where Nicodemus is going. I have done the research, and here is the facts that I have gathered together and I'm bringing. And what Jesus is trying to show him is that you cannot think your way into heaven. He's trying to show him that, no, 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 this is the, this is the conversation that we're going to have. In order to be going to heaven, you have to be born again. So now Jesus is talking from a very spiritual context. A lot of intellectuals know a lot about the Bible. You know that there's scholars that are there. They have studied the Bible. They know the Greek. They know the Hebrew. They know the historical context. They know all these archaeological finds. They've done all this research. You can see them sometimes like on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, right? They know crazy amounts about the Bible, but they don't know God. So there's a difference in the head knowledge and in what's happening in the heart we have the head, we have the heart, and this space in between sometimes is what keeps us from a relationship with Jesus because the head isn't connecting with the heart. And this can be the challenge of the five, that they get caught here in all of the intellect, but there isn't a heart connection with Christ. And we need to be able to have both of those. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Okay, I think that's a legitimate question. I don't care what personality type you are. If I was hearing someone for the first time telling me that in order to get to heaven had to be born again, that would be my natural first question. I'm an older woman. How am I going to be reborn? And then he goes on and he says, 
he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And I don't know who would want to. Can he? He asks the question. Can he? That's a five. Always asking questions. They're great at asking questions, especially the why. The what, the who, the when, the where, the how. There's always the why. Whether it actually comes out and they're asking you why, internally they're asking themselves why. And then they're going to go and investigate and find the answer. And they're not going to be okay with you just giving them some sort of pacifying answer. Because they can tell when you're doing that. They're highly intelligent, right? They can tell. And so they'll go and they'll do their own investigation. And when they find something out, they may actually come back and give you the appropriate answer. Those are V5s. Okay. Let's go verse 5 to 8. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You have to be born of water and the Spirit. What is flesh is one thing, but what is the Spirit is another thing. Our intellect is one thing. Our heart connection is another thing. We can go through all of the steps. I can go and have all of the knowledge. I can, take, I can follow all the steps in becoming a, a Christian. I'll put it that way. Right? I pray the prayer. Next step, I get baptized. I go and I get baptized. But if there isn't a heart connection, I'm just getting wet. I don't have a relationship. There needs to be some sort of a connection with my heart and God's heart. It can't just be here with the head knowledge. And here's what Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus to be able to see. And then he goes on and he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from, where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Okay, so now in the current day, we have all of the science and we understand things like the Santa Ana winds and things of that sort. But I guarantee you, the average person walking down the, st the street, the wind blows up. Can you tell me exactly where that wind came from and where it's going? And so what Jesus is showing is that we won't always have this full answer on this side of heaven for everything that has to do with the spiritual things. Our minds will not always be able to fully comprehend it. It doesn't mean that we can't search, that we can't research, that we can't study, but we may not always have a full answer for it. Every now and again, it doesn't happen a lot, but every now and again I have these moments where it's like time stops and I have this realization that one day I will cease to exist. Now, I, hopefully it doesn't sound like morbid and oh my gosh, we need to start praying for her right now. We're gonna call the intercessory team and we're going to pray for her. It's not morbid for me. I'm not scared, it's not sad. And I don't know if it's like some of my background. Uh, I've lost a lot of people. I've been around death. I was with my father when he took his last breath. And as he did, my sisters and I sang a gospel song and sang him into heaven. I've been around it. And in fact, if anything, it taught me how to live. There's something when you kind of see the end, it teaches you how to live every day. And so every now and again, this will happen. And it happened recently. And I was um, coming out of a drive-through car wash, and it was the gas station. 
and I'll pop out of my car and I have this cloth where, you know, those dryers, they don't quite get everything. And I don't like the spots. They get a little annoying. So I go to, I wipe off the little spots and I have this moment where everything stops. And I'm it's like slow motion. And I'm watching the lady come out of the convenience store with her, you know, big soda thing. And I see the guy putting gas in his truck. I see the other car driving out of the exit. I know that there's someone that's hitting the dryer now behind me. And I have this realization, one day I'm going to cease to exist and they're all just going to keep going. The world's just going to keep going. So for me, my response to that has been, okay, reminder check. Am I living? Am I living, Lord? Like, am I living or is this just a routine every day? Because I already know how I want to go out. When I go out and I come into heaven, I'm coming in skidding, sweaty, hot, and dirty, because I kept living no matter what. God, where you want me to go, that's where I'm going to go. I've already made that decision. And so this helps me to see, am I, am I living, God? Am I living the way that you've called me to live? And so what happens is that I'm able to look and be able to see, God, is this this heart connection that's happening right here, right now? Am I living in the place that you have called me to live? Or is it just something that's in my head? Is this head knowledge that I'm going on? I won't fully comprehend what this means to not actually be existing anymore. And it makes my head just sort of shake inside. My brain sort of gets wobbly. Like, I don't, honestly, I don't believe that we were even fully created to understand what that is like, because that wasn't the plan in the beginning. And so when we start to think about us no longer existing, it's like, wait, what does that even look like? It just rattles your brain. There are some things that this side of heaven we will not be able to fully explain and wrap our heads around. But God is in the mix of that, and he still wants that heart connection between us and the Lord. So Nicodemus goes on, and he says in verse 9 to 10, Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Jesus is saying, aren't you supposed to be the cream of the crop? You're known for your brilliance and your intelligence. Not only are you a Pharisee, but you're also in the Sanhedrin. You've got these top ranks. You are a religious leader. You're their teacher. You're it. You're the head guy. And you're not understanding these things? He wasn't saying these things to shame Nicodemus. If anything, I think this is a reminder for all of us and all of our positions. When we look at leaders, let's not be too quick to put them up on the pedestal, but let's remember that they're on a journey as well. Let's not look at the fact that they have three masters and two doctorates degree and think that they know everything because they're learning as well. And then for those in leadership, let's remember we're all on a journey as well. And let's not look at the three masters and the two doctors degree, which I don't have, by the way. I'm just, I just picked that number. I don't have that. But let's just not look at that and put all of our stock in that. Well, I have three masters and two doctors degree. We're all on a journey. Even the cream of the crop of that day was not able to comprehend and understand what Jesus was saying at that time. Verse 11 to 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, 
and testify what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Okay, Nicodemus, you've done all of this study, you've done all of this research, you've gathered all your facts, you made all your observations, and you're trying to talk about where is it you're trying to ascend to. Take my word for it. This is Jesus. Because I descended from that place. I came from that place, and that is where I'm leading you to. I know. Sometimes we won't be able to fill all the pieces with facts and knowledge and research, but we have to trust Jesus, who is leading us to where he already came from. Verse 14 to 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We can't think our way into heaven. It's a heart relationship. God's interaction with us was out of love, for God so loved the world. He wanted to connect with our hearts. Now, hear me when I'm saying, I'm not throwing knowledge out the window. It's good to ask the questions. In fact, someone who is too easily guided by their emotions, you want to be a little careful with that, right? Because emotions change. Remember we talked about that last week. And so they could be changing all the time. It's good to ask the questions. But that's not our faith. That's not what we put our faith in. There have been times where you, can, you may hear people talk about, well, there's no archaeological finds to back up something that's in the Bible, right? Maybe a specific location or a story or something of that sort. Well, maybe not at that point. And then years later, there's this discovery. Oh, this place did exist. Look what we found. And I remember that growing up, hearing things like that. And it, and it really made me think about the fact, before I put all of my eggs in this basket of knowledge, I need to understand that that knowledge is still growing. There are things that maybe we haven't found yet, right? There are discoveries that maybe haven't been made yet. So we want to be able to pay attention to, to those things, but we don't want to put all of our stock in those things. Now, Nicodemus is mentioned again in John chapter 7, and this is where he's observing that uh, Jesus is being tried, and this is unfair. In John chapter 7, verse 50, it says that Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, he asked. So now we're starting to see a change in heart that's happening here. We don't know if he said yes to giving his life to the Lord, but we're seeing some things that are shifting here. There is Nicodemus, and he's actually standing up for Jesus. And then he's mentioned again when it comes to paying for the funeral of Jesus. In John chapter 19, verse 39 to 40, it says here, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. Verse 39. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. 
he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. See, what happens with the five when they're not in a healthy place is that they start to, and this is, one of the, this is their deadly sin, is greed. They start to hoard themselves. They start to hold things back because there's a fear that they're not going to have enough so they hold back. They hold back their time. They hold back their emotion. They hold back resources. They hold back energy. They hold things back where they feel there's a fear that they're not going to have enough. It just takes too much energy to engage with people because they're not at my level when it comes to this, this knowledge area. And so they hold back. So we're seeing a shift right now with Nicodemus where he's actually being generous. He's being generous with his money. To pay for this type of funeral, it was a lot of money. And he was being generous with his money, and he was being generous with his knowledge. He knew what would be the proper and honoring way of burying Jesus, and he provided that knowledge. That's what you're going to see in a healthy five, where they're going to be generous instead of out of fear, holding back. So what is the core fear for the five? Being helpless, inadequate, and incompetent. What is their core desire or need? To be capable and competent. They want to be able to know that they're going to be able to do the thing that you're asking them to do, that they're going to be able to answer the questions. And in fact, if they feel like they may not be able to, they will probably shy away from actually getting involved in that because they're afraid of not having the answer. The core weakness or challenge, our deadly sin for the five, is greed. This is when they hold back their hearts. It's a hoarding of the self. They want to protect what they have because they're afraid that there won't be enough, so they hoard those resources. So let's think about the whole energy part, the energy it takes to engage with people. If they just feel like this is, you know, coming into really large groups can be a little bit difficult for them. And if I just don't feel like I have enough energy to engage, and engage with like a, a big party or something, then I'm probably going to keep my energy, whatever energy I have, to myself. They would prefer to work alone because they're able to budget the energy that they have. And they probably already have this way of thinking of, it's, it's, it'll take more energy to try and get everyone else to know how to do it right. I'll just do it myself. Right? Now, I, I've done that. So. I'm not a five, but I've, I've done that. <laughs> the running statement in their head is that I am what I have. Their core longings is that they need to know that their needs are not a problem. If there are insufficient funds in the knowledge area, that's okay. In fact, maybe they can change the language in their head that it's not so much insufficient funds in the, the knowledge bank, but it's an opportunity for growth, and it's okay. They need to know that their needs are not a problem. Their growth stress lines. For a five, the stress line goes to a seven, an unhealthy seven. And this is where they start taking on new projects. They're impulsive with that. They become scattered and distracted. They're not following through. They're not finishing things. They're just kind of all over the map when fives are not in a healthy place. When they are growing into a healthy place, they look like a healthier eight where they're trusting their instincts more, they become more outspoken, a little bit more vocal, they're more spontaneous, not everything has to be completely planned out, and they become assertive and energized. 
This is when they're healthy, is how they look. Now the further wings, for the five, the four wing, if they have a four wing, they tend to be more emotionally sensitive and expressive, and they also have an aesthetic perspective, a little bit more of the arts. Remember we talked last week about the four, a little bit more on the creative side, so you may see that in the five, um, in, in engaging in the arts. So the six wing may emphasize and engage more readily with teams, so they might be a little bit more people-oriented. They tend to place greater value on loyalty. We're going to talk about that with the six next week. May have enhanced intuitive insight. Their insights come more from putting facts together and engaging in extensive analysis. They're part of the head thinking triad. Remember we talked about how there are nine personality types, but you can put them in groups of three. We've been in the heart one for a while. Okay, this is the head thinking one that they would be in. So their primary center is thinking. This is their go-to, the thinking. Their forgotten center, the one that can be a little bit more of a challenge, is the doing. I've gathered all of this knowledge. What are you going to do about it? Let's take the next step. Let's get out there. They gather that all in. So the thinking is their, their strong one. The doing part is the challenging part. Okay. A spiritual formation. Here are some Bible memory verses that can be reflected on. The first one is Proverbs 18. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Because fives can start to withdraw, this is a really good scripture for them to look, to look at. Because when you start to separate yourself, you're just depending on your own knowledge. Now, this is more for those who are those fives who tend to maybe withdraw a lot more instead of getting out there engaging. Some of us, we do a lot of engaging. It would be good for us to withdraw a little bit, right? So it just, it just depends on who you are. Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. He's not just a part, he is one. We are to worship him with all of who we are, not just the knowledge we have, but also with our hearts. Okay, so here are some spiritual practices, downstream practices. Remember, downstream is what's a little bit easier. So for this personality type, inductive Bible studies might be something you'd really enjoy if you're a five. Because if you've ever done an inductive Bible study, it is all about asking the who, what, when, where, why, how questions, right? And it's all this color coding and symbols and all of this stuff that goes into that. So that might be something you'd really enjoy. Reading books. Create a book list for the year. That's something you'd probably really enjoy. I would encourage you to make sure you mix it up, though. Put some things that are a little bit out of the genre that maybe you would normally read. I tend to read a lot of spiritual formation, emotional health type books. And so I wanted to change things up a little bit and because I also love stories. And I read a few biographies last year, and I said, you know what? There are people that are impacting the world, whether I agree or disagree with them, but they are impacting the world, and I want to know their story. But there are not enough hours in the day for me to do all of that reading. And so I made a decision that my plan for this year is that the books that I have actually in my hand are my spiritual formation and healing or emotional wellness type books, because I'm probably going to be writing all in those and underlining them and referencing them later. But then I use audiobooks for the biographies. So I'm trying to mix it up and making sure that I'm getting other genres that can come in there. Bless you. 
Upstream practices, this can be a little bit more of a challenge for you. Sharing, carve out space to intentionally share yourself with others. This can be a real challenge for fives. Carve out some space where you can be intentional. Maybe go to coffee, with, maybe just pick one person. It doesn't have to be a group. Pick one person and make it your goal that you're gonna share something about your life with that person. Instead of letting them do all the sharing, you share something about yourself. Engage in conversation even when you're unsure of yourself instead of withdrawing. Sometimes, like I said, fives, they, they, they really want to know that they have the answer. So they may be a little hesitant to engage in conversation if they don't feel like they're going to be able to keep up. I think that applies to a lot of us. There are those that, for me to have that conversation, and I have a friend, and he's actually a five. And he actually has a collection of degrees. And when we are in the green room, if I'm hosting or something, we're in the green room, He's the type where he can ask a question and he can get you going on some kind of a theological conversation or philosophical debate. And there's no way I'm going to keep up with him. And I'm not even going to try. And I am totally comfortable in my skin being able to tell him, I don't know what it is you're talking about, but it sounds amazing. And I want to learn from you right now. And he's like, oh, then let's do it. And it's great. And I always walk away from those conversations having been pushed a little bit and having learned a little bit. And I welcome it. It's OK to not know, especially when you got fives around who do know. And they can help us learn. OK, daily practices that we can do. Uh, remind yourself that you don't have to have all the answers all the time. Engage in conversation even when you're unsure of yourself instead of withdrawing. Catch when you're in that scarcity mentality and hoarding something like affection, knowledge, or time. Ways that you can show love to a five. Don't embarrass them. Because nine times out of ten, it was really hard for them to get to the event that you invited them to. And instead of saying, oh, look who decided to come out, right? Now, can I just tell you something? As a parent, I made that mistake. I've done that. And that was very much before I was understanding what, what this all was. Don't embarrass them. Hear the facts that they give you and ask them how those facts make them feel. Hear them out. I don't know if you can hear a repetition in what I've been talking about the last few weeks. Let the person be who they are. Hear them out. And then you go to the next step. Hear their facts and then ask them, how does that make you feel? Because then it helps them to get re-engaged with their emotions. Acknowledge their need for personal space and time. My son, Brinson, um, he, he's in videography, and he does a lot of study when it comes to film and things of that sort. So it's a lot of research that he does, but there's a lot of training that he'll do, just do some things, that, uh, videos that he watches. And he'll spend a lot of time in his room doing that. We also have our family dinner nights. And he comes out and he makes that a priority and he's fully engaged with us and we have our dinner and we have this is when we do the whole thing we're actually sitting at the table instead of everyone running around in the kitchen we're actually sitting at the table there's dessert and then there's games and he's fully engaged and he's there and that means a lot to us and at the same time though I have to make sure that he has given that space when he needs that space our other two kids are generally running around in the kitchen and they're with us, and mom this, and Bobby. We call my husband Bobby, um, Spanish. Sorry, um, you know, Bobby this, and oh, they, you know, talking, 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 talking. But that's not how he's wired. He needs to have his space because if there was always all this talking, talking, talking that we were making him do, he would probably implode. That's just not how he's wired. 
Express how much it means to you when they engage. Don't be sarcastic, embarrassed, or shame them. Do not criticize how they have fun. Okay. So my son again. Now, I asked him, and he said it was okay to share this. He purchased this car about a, a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago. And he was, and he, in the way he did his research, he did a ton, ton of research, and he was looking for a very efficient car, because efficiency is very important to a buyer. And so he was telling us how when he's driving, he is able to calculate how much it will be to fill up his tank based on the MPGs, I think it is, on the car. He follows it, and he does this calculation thing, and he kept doing it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, college student, like, he, he needs money, like, you know, is it that? Like, is it, is it money that tight that you're trying to get it down to, like, the penny? No, that was fun for him. That was legitimately fun. It was his challenge. This is how mom engages with gas in the car. It's full. Yay. Quarter tank. We're solid. Half a tank. Woohoo! It's hitting the quarter point. Oh, all right. The light comes on. Let's see how far we can push this baby, right? Light comes on again, and the car is yelling, woman, if you don't pull over and put gas in me, I'm going to get upset. This is how I engage with the gas. He engages it by being able to do this calculation thing, and that was just his thing for a time. It was fun. Okay, so let's not criticize them for how they have fun. It may look a little different, but they're having fun. It's okay. And then utilize their knowledge and wisdom. Like I said, I would do all of this research, especially when it came to electronics. Um, I would say I'm fairly tech savvy, you know? Um, I can get around a lot of like things like social media, like kids trying to get, be tricky and all of that sort of thing. I, I know the tricks, I can get around those things. And then I'm looking for different items and I'm realizing, why am I using all of this brain power? You ever heard the thing of work smarter, not harder? Okay, you have someone who actually enjoys this. It's a challenge for them. You will get it in a report format for you. Would you like an email copy of this? You know, would you like the presentation to go with that? You know, he actually enjoys this, so why not utilize that and allow him to be able to operate out of the blessing and the gifts that God has given him? Right? not using him, what I'm saying is he is blessed and he has gifts. Why rob him of the opportunity of being able to live out of the fullness of that? Why am I going to try to be something that I'm not? Now, I'll still try and learn how to do research. I'll still try and learn from him. He can tell me certain things. With the hiking, he'll send me podcasts that talk about hiking and equipment and all of that. I can count on him that he's going he's gonna to take care of mom when it comes to making sure she has the right equipment. He bought some, some uh, equipment for me, uh, the pack and the, the hiking poles and all of that. He did his research on what would be good for mom and just where she's at in life and the, the kind of sturdiness that she would need. That's a blessing. So for fives, if you're a five, that is such a blessing of who you are. You bring so much to, t to the table in that. The challenge is going to be for you to not withdraw, but to engage. The challenge is for you to be okay in not always having the answer, in knowing that Jesus does, that he's going to take care of you in that. 
And the challenge for us and when we are engaging with fives is to allow fives, those personality types, to be who they are. And I think that happens for every personality. Allow them to be who they are. Because we're all on that journey and we're all growing. We all have our places that we're still, we're trying to sharpen up. Amen? Um, my son, like I said, he volunteered to come and he's offered to be able to go with me to the different groups. And he said that he is open to, if you guys have any questions for him, if you happen to not have any fives in your group. And just to share just where he is on his journey of discovery. It looks different depending on just where you are on your journey. He's a young adult. What does this look like for him in discovering a little bit more? What other things have played into the pot? Sometimes, like I said, it's culture. Sometimes there's other things that come in there that add to the pot of your personality. So he said he'd be more than willing to do that. So he's going to be joining me. You'll see me when we're going to the groups. He'll be with me. Be with me, Guys, I am so, so excited the fact that you have kept going with this. And one of the things that I've been talking to people about is how much I've loved the conversations that I'm hearing because I'm not hearing labels. I'm hearing that you're becoming self-aware. You're being aware of others. I've even heard some of you talking about things that maybe you're seeing in your kids, and you're asking the question, I wonder where that's coming from. And that is the best question to ask, because that leads to conversation, and that leads to discovery. All right, guys, thank you. All right, so we're going to go into groups in a second. Um, so I have a daughter who is a five, and she's with me today. And I said, can I tell this? And she goes, sure. Um, she is very much, um, she can be by herself in her own little corner of the world, researching all day long. Um, like we joke with her, there's a side of her bed, not her bed, the side of her bed. She, her computer's there, and she's laying on her face, facing the computer, doing homework, research, whatever. And so she's applying um, to go into the Navy with an ROTC program. And, and I said, are you sure? Like, what if you end up on a little teeny boat? She's like, I'm perfect. Because I like being alone in little spaces. So, and we tease her about it, and now I won't. The whole time you're talking, I'm like, oh, my, shame, oh, the shame. Because I, we always tease her about it, but that's actually how she's wired. Like, and she is very... Um, detailed like if if there's something she wants to know about she'll research it and find it out and, and i was joking with her like she likes those acai bowls like when you go out and you get the bowl and it's all she went online and learned how to do that so she does them at home because they're expensive when you go out and she's got her little jar of hemp seeds and her little jar of pumpkin seeds and her all and i think it's kind of cool that she actually figured it out the rest of us wouldn't have cared we wouldn't have looked into it that way but that's part of the uniqueness of how they're wired. So it helps me to understand her, which I think is also really cool. Anyways, we are at group time. So I believe, Jerry, your group, you guys got